This week, we finish up our series on going to Baja, California with some of the things that we love doing down there, plus the latest RV and camping news and more. This is RV Miles. This spring, L.L. Bean wants to help you feel great out there with gear, tips, and advice for heading outdoors and exploring all the possibilities of the season. Spring is the start of bug season, so here's a tip to deter ticks. Wear light-colored long sleeves and long pants. Pull the cuffs in your sleeves tight and tuck your pants into your boots. Tightening those cuffs will help keep bugs out of your clothes and the light colors will help you spot any insects more easily if they get on you. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com guide. Welcome to episode number 270 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and we are two full-time travelers who, along with our three boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, have been crisscrossing North America since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from industry news, our life on the road, travel destinations, the national parks, and so much more. We are making our way uh, up the coast of California. We're near San Jose right now and uh, enjoying the beautiful redwoods. For today. For today, it's gonna pour again tomorrow. It's been (laughs) lots and lots and lots of rain. We had an epic travel day yesterday. We ended up driving at night for, I think the first time in like five years. It's been a long time. A very long time. And we were reminded why we don't like doing it. (laughs) Especially in like twisty mountain roads. Yes, and when you have to show up at your campground late and you just feel the, all the eyeballs of everyone just like peeking out their curtain like, why are you arriving so late in this campground? In fact, our neighbor came out and I was like, I'm very sorry, I'm very sorry. You know, we were trying to be as quiet as humanly possible. We even hand cranked all the stabilizers. There's only so quiet, so quiet that you can be. We waited to hook up the water and sewer. And obviously things happen, which kept us from being able to get here as early as we wanted. But we will tease that very muddy experience, and I'm going to talk about it later on in my <laughs> fresh tank. <laughs> it's a whole lot of fun. Um, let's hit a few news items, though, before we head to our Baja discussion. There's a few things that are happening right now that are big. I've done a few videos on some of them, more to come. Uh, some I'm not going to cover on a, a separate video. Uh, but the big thing that's happening right now is there is a new bill for national parks and public lands being uh, worked around in Congress. It, it's uh, it's it's been going on for about a year and a half now, but it's uh, it's officially being introduced into committee, and it is um, one of these sort of bills that they say is uh, a no cost bill. I can't remember what they call that, but there's a name <laughs> name for that where there, there's no revenue well, there's a spent. Cost for everything. <laughs> the problem with that being is one of the things that they're considering is the idea of more private partnerships for campgrounds and on its face value that always sounds good okay there's private companies are going to come in and they're going to run a campground and they're going to they're going to reinvest in it and they're going to make it nicer and that's good for the american people what ends up happening is they only pick the ones that they really want they don't want to run all of the national park campgrounds they're not all profitable they only want to pick the ones that they want to run that are going to be the most profitable they charge very high prices for them of course uh we're seeing 90 dollars a night at some national park campgrounds right now and they put money into overhauling them Mm -hmm. and what happens with the way these contracts work is that the the money they spend on overhauling these campgrounds or any sort of public facilities like that um what you know it might be uh housing for their employees all that sort of stuff that when when their contract ends the way these contracts work it ends up that money is owed back to them Mm -hmm. when the contract ends so what happens is we the people get a good deal on a bid for a contract from a company that's going to come in and run let's say all the concessions at Yosemite National Park. 
that concessionaire company comes in, they spend a lot of money and they overhaul stuff and they make it nicer. It's a little bit more expensive or a lot more expensive, but it's, it's nicer. Uh, and then when it's time for contract renewal, because all that money is owed back to them, either the government has to pay them that money or the new bidder has to pay them that money. Mm -hmm. Therefore, nobody bids on the contract. They get to bid again at a much lower price and move forward without the people getting the same money from it. And we just saw this play itself out recently, like within yeah. the last couple yes. of years. I do remember you very, reporting yes, on this. Yes, yes, very so, big, both at Yellowstone and at Yosemite. Yeah. Um, so there, that's happening. There's a lot of other things in that build that are good, uh, mixed, what have you. One of the good things that for us is, is that they are revamping in this bill, if it passes, uh, the requirements for filming on public lands and i think they're doing a very fair job of it uh, basically saying that you don't need a permit if it's less than five people and you're doing the same stuff that every other visitor is doing and if it's more than that you can apply for a permit that doesn't cost anything and if it's over a certain amount of people and certain amount of stuff involved then you go through a, a standard permit process but it does seem better on that front and there's uh lots of other sort of uh partnership investment opportunities happening in it which all sound to be good but there are a lot of uh, variables in it that you know we'll see what happens with i'm really bothered by the idea that private companies are going to come in and start running campgrounds i think if that happens we begin to lose some of the very last places out there that are incredibly affordable yeah. to camp that feel like still wild spaces i'm all for uh care for these campgrounds. I don't want a major overhaul. I don't need all the bells and whistles. I don't want all the yeah. hookups. It, it, I well, do want to be able to go somewhere still in my RV and camp in a yeah. national park and feel like I'm in that national exactly. park. Exactly. And the, the RV industry, by the way, is lobbying hard for, we want full hookups. Of course we they are. Great amenities and all that sort of stuff in national parks. And I, you know, I think, um, the argument I, I hear from a lot of people when we talk about this often is that, well, the government is terrible at running businesses. Why, you know, that you wouldn't expect the government to run a hotel. Why should they run campgrounds? They, they have no business being in that business. And the uh, the argument I would give back to you is the government's also not so great at making contracts, and that's part of the problem. Uh, but campgrounds are sort of a thing that they have that that government agencies from city to state to federal have all done. And it's it's if we keep them a laid back atmosphere, a place to park, and maybe plug into some electricity and get some water, then it doesn't need to be a big deal. We're just running out of places to go yes. where we aren't all crammed yeah. into one spot. So speaking of uh, another piece of news that's happening is the Moraine Park Campground at Rocky Mountain National Park, which is the biggest campground in the park, uh, will be closed throughout the entire summer, reopening uh potentially next June. Uh, so that's going to cause camping issues at Rocky Mountain National Park. If you haven't made reservations for Rocky Mountain for this summer already, it's going to be hard anyway. It's also um, going to cost you a pretty penny. <laughs> but um, that that park is getting renovated. Uh, also on the campground front, KOA is revamping their membership program. Oh, right. So if you are a member of, of KOA, they are removing the sort of middle tier. Like there's the mm -hmm. base tier. You pay like $39 a year to be a, a base tier member and you get 10% off camping at KOA campgrounds. A lot of people ask us, by the way, like, do, I don't understand KOAs. Do I need a membership and stuff like that? No. No, it, but listen, we live that VIP life over at KOA. Okay. <laughs> We've been living that VIP life. That's some of them. Why not? That's some of them. No, no, no. That's the level. <laughs> oh yeah. We're, level we're VIP members. Yeah. VIP. Yes, we live the so... VIP membership life because <laughs> yes. Basically, when we stayed all those months in Minot, and then we've had a couple of month-long yeah. stays in other KOAs, but we've been at VIP like status for four years now. So they I don't are hate it. they're keeping the the <laughs> VIP status twenty thousand points you have to earn to be a VIP member, mm -hmm. but they're removing that bonus tier that was sixty five hundred points. Uh, so it's actually a little bit of a reduction in the in the benefits they're offering for the KOA Rewards Program. We always recommend people if you want to be a KOA uh, Rewards member, if you you know you're just starting out on your RVing journey, uh, there's no reason to buy one in advance. You just mm -mm. buy one 
when you book the first KOA campground where it's going to make sense to save that 10% off. You can really just do the math based on that 10% and that's really it. Yeah. And one more piece of news that's going on right now, the California RV show. You may remember uh, if you're from California, if you're big into the RV industry at all, uh, the California RV show used to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest RV show uh, out there because it was a 10 day show uh, happening in sort of the LA area. And it was sort of a victim of COVID and hasn't mm -hmm. come back. And it was really expensive for the manufacturers to come out to and stuff. But th it, it is coming back this fall in October. And if you, you know, there are, there are like three shows on the RV show season calendar that are sort of, uh, not necessarily run by the manufacturers, but are the main manufacturer shows where they show off their, their wares and they um, make more of the decisions than the dealers do. Most of the RV shows across the country are dealer shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, this show is, is going to be a little different than in the past and than many of the other RV shows that you've been to. If you have been to an RV show before, you may have been frustrated by the fact that it is really hard to find what you want because it is like dealer A, dealer B, dealer C, or manufacturer A, manufacturer B, manufacturer C, instead of mm, small adventure trailers <laughs> and big class A motorhomes yeah. and, and fifth wheel toy haulers grouped together. Well, they're intending to do that here at the Pomona RV show. Uh, they're, it's, they're calling it the 68th annual Pomona RV show. It's not always been in Pomona, uh, and it hasn't been every year. Obviously, we missed a few years, but it is clearly a long-running RV show. So it's great to have that back on the schedule, and uh, it'll be really interesting to see how that new format works, and maybe other RV shows will adopt something like that because I think it will be very, very beneficial for uh, customers that are looking to buy an RV. Well, I love the idea of it, and clearly so does everyone who's watched that video yeah. already because just the response alone to how they're going to lay that out has been incredibly positive. So other RV shows, take note. This is really what the people want. Okay, that's the news. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Baja, California, our last little bit of stuff, some of the places that we went, some of the things we did, like whale watching. Oh my goodness. Yes, we will be right back. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox designs and manufactures the best towing products in the industry. Just look around. You'll find them on highways and campgrounds and anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Award-winning tow bars, base plates, and brakes. A full line of weight distributing hitches. Adjustable ball mounts and a new line of fifth wheel hitches. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit blueox.com. This episode is supported by ParkWolf, the ultimate app for visiting U.S. national parks. With ParkWolf, you can view upcoming places and amenities as you drive through the park, locate the nearest gas, food, bathrooms, and pullover points. ParkWolf's wildlife maps show you the best times and places to see or avoid wildlife along with a feed of the latest wildlife sighting photos from the parks. ParkWolf even makes it possible for you to view your live location and direction on official park maps while staying up to date on current NPS alerts and advisories. ParkWolf keeps working even if you lose service. To learn more, download the ParkWolf app for iPhone free from the Apple App Store today. All right, let's talk about Baja for the, the third and final time here. Uh, we really did have a wonderful time visiting Baja, California. Uh, the people of Mexico did just a, a wonderful job um, just treating <laughs> yes, welcoming everyone. welcoming us. <laughs> well, just, you know. It, <laughs> they all I stood think, there waving at us as we came by. I think this year was sort of the year that was really like their biggest sort of post-pandemic type. Yes. Uh, a year of return to tourism. Uh, they were... Uh, Tourism was on a big upswing in Baja up until 2019. They had a wonderful year in 2019. And you could tell when we were visiting that there was like a boom. There happening. was a boom happening. There was stuff being built that yes. ugh, they didn't make it. There was a lot of stuff that like was half built. Um, Abandoned. Be and because when the pandemic hit, people just couldn't go down there. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, they are back and it is it is great. And I will say, first off, that. 
the vast majority of what we did was sit on a beach. <laughs> and so... that's okay. You can go to Baja and just sit on a beach and drink margaritas <laughs> and relax. You do not have to yeah. feel like you've got to run from here to there, from city to city, or that's even from beach about. to beach. Yeah. But you should absolutely put this one thing on your list if you are going to be in Baja at the time that the whales have come and have migrated down for mating season and to give birth, you need to go whale watching. So the the folks that ran the tour that we were on would say that the whales are actually from there and they migrate away to feed yes. and come because they're born there. They're born right? there. And that so, makes a lot of sense, actually. The whole Baja Peninsula is a really great place for several different species of whales to come down and to mate and to birth. And then they go all the way up to the whole Pacific coast up towards uh, Alaska and beyond in order to feed. And they fatten up and they come and all they the way come back all down. all the way back down. And it's really interesting that you can go to sort of some of the different sort of bays there are different uh sort of bays that they they come in to escape the open water to to have their mating and and, and birthing grounds uh are for different types of whales right mm -hmm. so you you can go where we went uh to uh guerrero negro and see the gray whales you can go down to loretto and see a different type of whale you can go down to la paz and see another type of whale and and that is a really cool thing I think that you could do is like actually do like a, a, a different type of whale hopping <laughs> tour. Could see them all. But let's talk about Guerrero Negro where we went. So we went through uh, the campground that we talked about last week, Mario's. Mm -hmm. We stayed there and that campground works with a company that will take you from the campground out to the lagoon that you're going to go and visit to see the gray whales. It cost... $50 a person, which is an absolute steal. In the United States, this would easily be $100 or $150 yeah. or more because this goes per person because this goes from, I think we had to be in the visitor center around 1015. At 1030, they started a presentation to educate us and give us an idea of what we were going to do and what to expect and to learn more about the whales that we were going to encounter. And then we were transported by van out to the destination, which is about a half an hour away we were put into um a smallish they're small boats boat. they're they're small boats and then we were taken out into open water for about an hour and a half yes, so from so start to finish we were gone for about the whole thing from start to finish was probably about five hours yeah like four and a half yeah yeah, yeah. and oh and they fed us they, they, they did so the sort of on you you drive out to the the lagoon where the whales are and then on your way back they give you a little sack lunch a ham sandwich and a coke and um and it is uh it was one of the most amazing things i've ever done in my life there are a lot of difficulties involved a lot? but it was it was i mean so when we say whale watching you're not watching just... for them you're like you're petting them <laughs> whale pushing your boat <laughs> watching i want to say too before we get out to the open water part i want to just kind of my brain needs to go yeah, in order sure. so when we're you go in for this presentation you go in and, and they're talking and they're and they're giving this to you and they are incredibly specific they are going to talk about everything that the whales do here, including how the whales make other whales. Oh, lots of lots of lots mating of, specifics, lots of, images, <laughs> lots of, and and she left the image of the male, like the um, Pink Floyd. I think is that's, how it's that's what they call mm -hmm. it. Yep. Up on the on the screen for some time, which was a which was a delight for like our preteen and teenager. It was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it Which was whatever. Really, it's a body part. Like, who cares? It was really like, fascinating how they made though, because like very, it, it the takes female more than like, two to tango. Yeah, because of their weight. Like the there are always two males and one female. Know, and the bottom incredible. male like lifts the it's, the female up because she's too heavy. It's it's <laughs> so, wild. I mean, you just it's so nature is 
awesome. It was so fascinating. <laughs> and it, but it was a really wonderful presentation. They didn't just throw some things at you and then like, you know, yeah. chuck you out there on the water. They really wanted you to understand how important it is to protect this species, how vital it is that they have this place to come to, how proud this community is to be able to be a part of this. Like it was really so well done. And then they take you out there and we have kind of a tour guide that's talking to us as we're, we're driving out there, kind of giving us some history of the city and just kind of having some back and forth. And then you do, you get on this little boat and there were uh, 11 of us total. So nine in our party and then another couple who <laughs> who may have been like, oh, I got the wrong boat. <laughs> um, but you get out there and listen, you know, we had... Some in our party, like our kids, myself included, who felt a little anxious about this. You know, it's, we're not water people. It's why it's ve it's very open water. It's, yes, it's a bit wavy, a and bit. the whales are bigger than the boat. The whales are and, so intense. You know, even the gray whales are, are sort of medium-sized whales, and they're they're bigger than the boat, and they play with the boat as if it is a toy. <laughs> yes, and so, that is. If you don't know what to think about that at first. So your driver will actively move around this lagoon to try mm -hmm. and chase the whales and to kind of coerce them to come over to you. And we went on a day where it was windy. So we had gone back and forth and even the... Uh, the yeah. company had gone back and forth on whether or not there was going to be a tour that day because they weren't sure if yeah. it was going to be too windy to take people out. So we were right on the cusp. So we were already getting some fairly decent swells and there was a lot of movement already on the water. And then you begin to add the whales. And at first they're out in the distance and, you know, you're remembering the names of all the different types of movements that they make because they, you know, had gone through this in the discussion. And then uh, he kind of starts to navigate us over to them. And the couple that was with us, they were, anytime a whale was on one side of the boat, those two would like rush over there and the <laughs> whole boat would just lean to that side. And then you know, instinctively, a few of us would go to the other side to try and balance it out because it's really uh, jarring. Yeah, these are not boats that we're going to tip, but but it, it, it was, feels that it, way. It moves. It, it, it moves. It feels that way. No, we weren't. We're not talking like we weren't all like in a canoe built for eleven. I yeah. mean, these were. They had engines, and you know. But then the when the whales started coming up, it is a collective, just sheer. You're you're so shocked by what you're seeing you're so shocked that you are in this world and it's like euphoria and complete and total fear at the exact same yeah. time because when they get under the boat when they start pushing the boat and they're pushing they it like, so we're going in a circle or like, they like put it on their back and like move it around they're and scratching <laughs> and you know you've got like a mama and a baby yeah and i have to say you know i was able to and i think several of us were in the party we're able to reach out and actually touch the whale. And that is just, I, I will never forget that. that. And then, uh, them like sort of shooting out of their blowhole oh at you. Oh my gosh, knocked Clay's hat right <laughs> off because they were, they, they, the whale did it like right there by the boat. So a few tips if you're going to do an experience like this, whether you do it down there, you can you can do whale watching experiences all up the Pacific coast. And in fact, our trajectory to Alaska is, is following, following we are yeah. following the That's migration so cool. of the whales. It is so amazing. Yeah. So bring uh wear sunscreen wear a hat this is again it was sunglasses. wide open in the sun sunglasses uh, sun, even not just for the sun but for the wind even if it mm -hmm. wasn't windy there's the wind of the boat moving because it moves fast i had sunblock on and i was i was a little red i was a little yeah. wind burnt by this yeah we cover cover all your skin and and wear a rain jacket they actually offered rain jackets but if you brought your own it probably would be a little bit more comfortable mm -hmm. uh because you're going to wear a life jacket over it and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I, I would bring your own rain jacket. It was I had mine up over my head and like cinched up my face when it when yeah. we were getting. I mean, we were getting sprayed by them. We were sure. getting sprayed, and you know, we can only speak about our experience with this particular mm -hmm. company and also the conditions of that day. 
but really um if you have people that that can become easily anxious or particularly aren't very comfortable on water then this might not be an experience for them um you know in some respects for like for some of our kids this was really really amazing and yet at the same time they had moments of sheer terror and i know that we got to a point where it began to feel a little chaotic a little out of control the driver was really taking his cues from the two people that were in incredibly aggressive about wanting to see these whales and he wasn't really noticing what was happening with the other nine passengers which after an hour and a half of being out on this water and being pushed around by whales and the swells coming and rocking us all over the place and some of us were starting to get seasick uh, we got to a point where we had to say we need to go. We cannot yeah, be out it, here anymore. It was anymore. close it's to the end anyway, much. but it, it, the whole thing did feel a little long. And I was starting to get seasick, and I'm usually the last one to. And, and just a, a little, uh, the energy just started to get like a little chaotic and a little all yeah. over the place. And the whales started to feel a little bit more aggressive. And, and everything was starting to, it was reaching a point where I said, okay, I, we're done. Like, we're done. This is, at this point, nobody is having fun. And this is not what I want everyone to remember. And I was trying to just tell myself, look out on the horizon. You will not vomit. Although they did say people do puke. And if you have to do it, please just do it over the boat. You'll be feeding the whales. <laughs> so. All right. So the whale watching was a whole lot of fun. The other really big thing that we did was sort of the first thing that we trekked down to. Uh, and that was down in the town of La Paz on Tecolote Beach, where we uh, mentioned visiting in the previous episode when we talked about where we camped. Uh, we visited a, a meetup of folks from a group called the Republic of Nomads. Um, this was one of their town hall meetups, which was free. And Republic of Nomads is sort of a newer organization. There's several other social organizations out there uh, like FMCA, uh, full-time families, escapees. Um, and the Republic of Nomads folks are trying to do it a little bit differently um, where it is very much sort of user-driven and service-driven. So usually they have like a, a, a service project like helping in an animal shelter uh, build a pen or something like that. Uh, here we did a beach cleanup day as part of uh, this event and it was a great few days of uh, a, a place where the kids could have sort of pre-organized activities and yeah. the adults and the adults that we had morning yoga there were coffee mm -hmm. talks uh in the evening there were campfire chats um there were dance parties and uh there were you know uh, they call them rig rolls, where you go from one rig to the other about every five to ten minutes, and everyone has kind of put out some food or drink, uh, like a, maybe their favorite cocktail or a specialty to that area, and you just go from rig to rig, and you get to kind of, it's a great way to kind of get to know everyone, see where everyone's at, kind of get to check, you know, everybody's yeah. rigs out. Um, and then also, this coincided with the return of Carnival to La Paz, and in fact, to the whole uh, state of Baja. And so that was one of the things that uh, we did not go to Carnival um, when the whole group went. But from what we saw, it looked crazy. It looked awesome. It looked really busy. And it took a very long time for the parade to show up. <laughs> you know, so. what it came down to is we were like, we are just having such a good time here on this beach and going to these yeah. little restaurants here and all that sort of stuff that we just didn't want to leave. Well, it happened also kind of like right at the beginning of the yeah. event. And we had just been through a series of like pretty long travel. And frankly, everyone was tired. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to honor that. And sometimes that's something that we try to be really mindful of is we can't do everything. And we knew that there were other things within this core group we really wanted to do because they all did end up getting kind of split up yeah. anyway when you get down there. Um, and we wanted the kids to be able to rest. So we yeah, opted not to do it this time around. Several of the folks that were down there for this event uh, or visiting this event were sort of traveling together. And mm -hmm. I do really think that is a great way to do Baja is to travel with somebody else. Absolutely. Um, As we have been doing. <coughs> I can't imagine doing Baja without Jamie and Clay. Um, Absolutely. And uh, they're just a, a, a good group of people. Again, it's a new organization that's only started up fairly recently. And 
it's not uh, there's no paid membership yet or anything so you can check them out the main sort of way to to find them is on facebook but they also have an email list if you go to their uh, website, which is therepublicofnomads.com. Yeah, absolutely. Go check them out, see what they're about. And if it seems like something you'd like to be a part of, they are so welcoming. And I know that they would love to have you and we would love to see you over there too. So other than those two big things, we, and again, a lot of hanging out on the beach, uh, we visited a couple towns. We, we did sort of spend a, a little bit of time in the town of Loretto that we talked about uh, on a different episode, but we we really want to encourage people to visit Loretto. It's a yeah. really nice uh, little town where you can sort of visit the historic district and lots of restaurants and sort of open air farmers market and uh, you know sort of bazaar type atmosphere, and uh, and it was just really pretty quaint place to be. Yes. Uh, so that's kind of it. This is wrapping up. We're going to take this question here, but this is wrapping up Baja yeah. for us. It's time now for the podcast to move into California. But before we do that, before the episodes progress, I think this is a really great question to end on. And it was asked on YouTube and is a guesstimate of what percentage of RV types did you see in Baja? And yeah. I would say a really <clears throat> healthy dose of everything. I, I think there were probably more um, medium-sized motorhomes mm -hmm. than you see elsewhere. Small to medium-sized motorhomes. There are a lot of sort of uh, Class B camper vans and Class C motorhomes that are of like the 30-foot range. That said, though, at Playa Santa Spock. The amount of larger Class A's yeah. and bigger fifth wheels. When we were in Santa Spock and Tecolote, I feel like those those were two places where we saw a lot of bigger rigs because those are sort of like really popular yeah. destinations you're going to yeah. hit. But for sure, when we were in some of the campgrounds like uh, Portecitos, that was because of the size of those spaces a lot of the mid to smaller rigs, a lot of vans. Uh, we saw a lot of schoolies down there, which yeah. was really cool. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, I was surprised at the variety of RVs that were down there and everyone being really adventurous to take what they have and take it down there. Now, certainly at that Republic of Nomads event, we were by far the family with the smallest Yeah, that's rig. a lot of fifth wheels. And um, there were yeah. a lot of yeah. big fifth wheels down yeah, there at it, that event. If you have a larger RV, uh, I think it would be really important when you visit Baja to sort of have a really good idea of where you're going to be going mm -hmm. and whether it's friendly to your size RV. Um, and I even mean medium size, actually. Um, it, you know, join a Facebook group or, or something and talk to people that have visited and certain destinations and find out if there's a good spot for you because some places there are in some places there are some places that i just wouldn't take a, a, a 35 foot plus class a motorhome yeah and if there's anywhere that we have mentioned during this series that we weren't really clear about whether or not it is big rig friendly please ask us please go ahead, leave a comment on that episode or send us an email at over at editor at rvmiles.com and ask us because we tried to do that as best we could, but it is possible we didn't get to all that. But if you're curious and want to know, we will be happy to answer that for you. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, our Fresh Tank Black Tank segment. Be right back. On every road trip, there are moments you wish could last forever. Your kids running into the ocean for the first time, that perfect campsite with views that amaze and surprise, a hike through Sarah's Crack, moments you spend time planning and you wish would never end. But like all good adventures, they do. But you know what doesn't have to end? Your RoadPass Pro membership you used to plan that memory-making vacation. Grab your RoadPass Pro membership today and lock in the $49.99 price for life. Featuring some of our favorite trip planning sites like Campendium and Road Trippers and the Togo app for checklists, RoadPass Pro will help you create an amazing RV adventure. Save $10 off your first year with code RVMILES10X and lock in the renewal rate of $49.99 for life life. RoadPass Pro is going up in the new year, so if you've been on the fence, now is the time to join and save. Just click the link in the description and use code RVMILES10X to save $10 off your first year of RoadPass Pro. 
rvmattress.com by Brooklyn Bedding. Abby, the kids, and I have been using their mattresses in our last two RVs, and we couldn't be happier. We are sleeping better, and we're able to customize it to fit our exact needs. Our kids' odd-sized bunks in the new trailer, no problem. RVmattress.com offers a 120-night sleep trial along with a 10-year warranty. Plus, their products are toxin-free, they're made in the USA, and they're incredibly simple to set up. We've had them shipped to campgrounds, and you just unbox them, unroll them, and let them expand. RVmattress.com offers free shipping and has increased our discount to the RV Miles community to 25% when you visit rvmattress.com slash rvmiles and use the promo code rvmiles. That's rvmattress.com slash rvmiles with the promo code rvmiles for 25% off. Our thanks to rvmattress.com for supporting this channel and to you for supporting our sponsors. All right, we are back and it is time to check the level of our tanks. Now, this week we have a joint gray tank because we kind of knew that this yeah, was going no to be no black tanks just blacks, gray. just a gray yeah. this one and so we want to talk just a little bit about for any of you RVers out there who like to go to amusement parks and check out big destinations as you're traveling around we wanted to share with you our experience going to check out Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios Hollywood now we are gray tanking this because uh, we were Nintendo kids. We grew up in the Nintendo generation. Our kids are big Nintendo fans now, too. We were super excited to check this out. And there are a lot of boxes that it ticked that you uh, just had all the feels for. But there were enough really glaring things that left us um, a little disappointed, yeah. I think. Yeah, so if you're not familiar... This is something that just opened a few weeks ago. Yeah, just in February, I think mid-February. And it, it calling it a world <laughs> is a is a real big stretch. I think it should okay? be the Nintendo City Block. If you've ever been to <laughs> Universal, there are sort of like different areas in Universal. They're, they're just not like even, a Disney World. They're not or even Disney. lands. They're a little bit smaller than that. It, they're and it is one of those. Um, it is an area that is basically mario themed like they mm -hmm. call it nintendo but it's mario it's, themed, it's mario right? themed for sure entirely i don't think there's anything that's not mario no. there right so you it's it supposed to be it was supposed to be kind of like a secret place <laughs> but you have to like get reservations to get in it because and the minute you walk into the park <laughs> there's, there's giant banners yes. for, you know super but nintendo world it, it's so popular right now that you do have to get it you either get a reservation to get into it in the morning. As uh, soon before, as you get on, on site. Well, you can get one beforehand, but those sell out and you pay mm -hmm. extra for those. Uh -huh. uh, or there's supposed to be a way to get a reservation uh, it, at, when the park opens and you were on site. Mm -hmm. The first part that makes this gray is that that's very unclear, that process, because we had read up and learned and thought that we, we would arrive very early. We get there. Uh, be in the park when it opens, and we were. We yanked those kids out of bed at 6 a.m. <laughs> we had a drive to it. It was quite drive. a drive to it. And we were headed down there with my brother and his family. We all wanted to meet up. We drove yeah. down there. We were in the park at 7.50 with the apps ready to go at 8 a.m., and the reservation wouldn't pop up. The reservation wouldn't pop Nothing up. There. So I went and asked someone that worked there, and yeah. they were great. They said it'll be anywhere between 8.45 and 9.00. So we waited, 8.45 comes, 9 o'clock comes, we still can't make the reservation. Then we started reading, because it was very rainy that day, that, oh, if the park isn't super full, they won't really open up the reservations because you can just come and go because they're not meeting capacity. Yeah. So we thought, okay, that's, you know, we've been checking, it's almost 10. We've been checking since then, nothing's opening up. We're just going to go ahead and do our thing. Well, all of a sudden... We're sitting there, and I thought, I'm just going to check really quick before we get on this ride. And bang, reservations. Reservations are flying. Now we can't get in until, like, I think it ended up being, like, 1130 that we all got in there. And by the time we got into this city block, it was packed. It was, you're just person to person everywhere. Yeah, it it, look, when you walk in, let's, let's start by saying, when you walk into this land, doom, 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 doom. it 
I mean, it really was awesome. It, Wham, bam, senses you are in a Mario game. You were right inside a level of Super Mario Brothers. Goombas. There, it's just, you know, there's power-ups everywhere. There's coins spinning in the air. It is. It's, it's amazing. It's phenomenal. Um, so you get to sort of, you get the eye candy for a little bit. And then um, you go, so what are we supposed to do now? Right. Well, okay, so, there, so all that really is in there is one restaurant... One ride, and then an activity we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. But the ride is a Mario Kart-themed ride. And the line, they said the line was like three hours long on the sign. It ended up not being that long. And we still got in that line because there was nothing else to do. And the the ride was, it was okay. They're reaching far with some new technology that's really cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end, I kind of felt that like I'd rather actually just play a game of Mario Kart on <laughs> on on a on a Nintendo Switch or yeah. something. Um, but it was it was kind of cool, but not three hours wait cool. Uh, Which we didn't do. We right. Were, it didn't end up being that long. It only really ended up being a sixty or seventy minute wait for us when they were telling us it was going to yeah. be two hundred plus. We couldn't get into the restaurant because the restaurant reservations were entirely gone by the second we got in there. And you can't make a reservation until you are until you get in, in the there. park. And you can only go to this area at your entrance time, and then once you leave the area, that you can't come back in unless you get another reserved right. entrance and so we had um we could have gotten into the toadstool cafe at nine o'clock p.m p.m but then we would have spent our entire day in super yeah. nintendo world and you can't spend an entire day in this area of universal and the other thing that is a problem with this whole area is that they they learned some lessons from the the harry potter area mm-hmm where you can buy the expensive wands that that do things, right? So you can walk down in the the Harry Potter, you can do the spells and they make things happen in the windows. And they're like, they're like 30 spots to do that along the Hogsmeade area. 30, but there's at least 20. The map is is quite uh, full. But in, so what they give you or you, what you can buy for 40 bucks a piece uh-huh. Is the wristwatch looking thing? It's a power, a power band. band for Mario World. It's a slap bracelet, and it's gonna yeah. have like you can pick, you can be Toad or a mushroom, or you can be Mario or Luigi, and, and you, you slap it on. And you can go like you you can like punch a, a coin block, yeah. and you ding, get coins. Ding, 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 uh, but what the main thing it's for is there are three challenges in this area, and if you finish the three challenges. You get to go meet Bowser Jr. In this like secret location yeah. that you can only go to if you've completed so, all the challenges. And you also have a limited time window in which to do that. So the entire area was eaten up by the lines for these three challenges. Right. And because if you start the challenge before you get into the line for Mario Kart, which we did because we were under the impression there was going to be some things to do in Mario Kart with the power bands, which there absolutely was not. The entire queue had nothing that you could do with these power bands. So we had started it. So by the time we got off of that ride, the kids didn't have enough time left in the team time to actually go and stand in the three different lines to complete these challenges. We would have wasted our entire day doing that. It was. Now, so for my brother and his family, they are season pass holders. And having the bands makes absolute sense. If you are doing a multi-day visit to Universal, we 100% get the power bands, do them at your leisure, have some fun. You know, you've got this cool little slap bracelet. If you were there for one day... Save your $40. Save it. it. You don't need it. It's The whole area, including especially that, just felt like a really big, uncomfortable money grab. Yes. And we actually had someone um, there tell us that they couldn't get one of the lines that they were in. They actually couldn't finish the challenge. Yeah. Like adults were having problems actually doing the challenge. Yeah. They couldn't get them done. And then... When you go to go in to see Bowser Jr., a little boy had gone up with his mom and dad. He had to have been maybe like four or five. Mom and dad have been, or the grown-ups that were with him, had been taking him around all day long Good doing for this for That's him. That's rough. Right? <laughs> and they had all, but the three of them together had clearly gone and done all these challenges and used his power band and helped him. And they get there, and the woman is literally like, 
he can only take one adult in with him. We only Silly. allow one person without a power band to accompany the child yeah. with the power band. And I thought, oh, man, that would really stink if I had spent all this time with my kid helping him achieve this one thing. And then you won't even let me. I have to sit there with you yeah. and be like, okay, well, you know, you go. No, you go. No, you go. No, you go. Like, yeah. I yeah. just, and I thought, what does it cost you, Universal, to let this family go in together and see Bowser Jr.? So on the flip side, we've been to Universal, or at least I have, several times over the years. You've been a couple. Mm -hmm. uh, in the last experience you and I had, we went together for our anniversary, and it was a little bit disappointing, I think. Yeah, it was all right. Um, this time, I had a lot more fun than I had had before. Oh, well, yeah, because we were also with family we were and with the family, kids. But and I think like adds a vibe I, to I it. I just had such a great time on like the backlot tour. Yeah, I had more fun in Hogsmeade than I had before. I it, it was it just was a, it was a good time. It was a better time. Uh, I I think I it was it was still a, a worthwhile and a fun day. I I was just really disappointed with Super yeah. Nintendo World. It is definitely not something no. to travel to Universal to visit. It's, no, if you're there, go go for it. But it is not something to make a special trip for. And hopefully, uh, as they build the one in Florida, they will learn a little bit from this one here in California and uh, sort of correct some of these really glaring <coughs> issues that a lot of people are really frustrated about because it is very expensive. Yeah. All right, Jay, what is in your fresh tank this week? Simply that we are camping among trees. We are in the <laughs> in the shadow of some giant redwoods, and it is awesome. And we have been sort of away from trees for months now. It has been wild. There have not been that many trees, let alone ones this size, and I love it. It's really, really wonderful. I completely agree. What's yours? So my fresh tank this week is the experience that we had yesterday that I alluded to at the top of the show. I'm actually making it my fresh tank because in the end, it really was overall for what was happening. It was a great experience. So we, on our way here to the Santa Cruz area, we had overnighted at a winery, a Harvest Hosts, really great Harvest Hosts. And they had like little dedicated parking spots for the RVs. Well, while we were there overnight sleeping, it started raining and it rained pretty consistent all night long and into the morning. And unfortunately, that area where the RVs are at becomes this clay-like, yeah, muddy... Yeah, it's like really loose-packed dirt, and it, it really turned really it muddy. Just be, I, it just... You know. <laughs> Jamie and Clay walked from their <laughs> RV, which was just parked in front of us, back to ours in their sort of <laughs> boots. And their boots became like four times the size by the time they got to us. Totally wild. <laughs> so at you know 9 a.m. or so, the owner of the winery comes by in his ATV and uh, says, you know, Please don't try to leave right now. Um, in fact, you are more than welcome to stay another night. This is, uh, we did not expect the rain to come in as early as it did. In fact, when we're going to have rain like this, like we had last night, we will actually not book reservations for that night because in order to get out of the spot, you do have to like make this turn that then proceeds up this quite A long, long, muddy hill. Muddy hill. <laughs> and there is the potential to fishtail and slide right off into the ditch. And in fact, uh, someone, a class B that had been there that night that had been behind us because we're all lined up behind each other, had tried to leave and had tried to go up our road, up the small hill to take the, the left and go up the big hill. They didn't make it past us. And then they had to kind of slide, drive backwards to the bottom of the road in order to go a different way that had a little bit more gravel, a little bit more traction. So we waited and we waited for the afternoon. It had stopped raining by like nine o'clock. We continued to wait out the afternoon to decide what we were going to do. Try to and let it dry out dry a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so finally at about three thirty-four, we were like, okay, we think this is looking good enough. You know, we had kind of felt that, 
the truck and the trailer, we're going to be able to do this with uh, the off-road tires that the Ford has. They're made for these like muddy environments. And so we felt some mildly, well, very strongly, mildly confident we, we have, were getting out of there. We have some recovery equipment. We have some traction boards. We yeah. aired down the tires. So we thought we could, you know, we could probably make we a go this. at it and we'd be good. And so we went ahead first so that uh, Jamie and Clay with their Airstream uh, could watch because it's a totally different situation for them with their setup than it would be with us with Bexy. So we went first and, you know, we got up there and Fordo was like a boss. We, we got those tires were uh, if they were an absolute just cover. I will say if I had stopped, it would have been a it, it would have been a whole stuck. different story. We would have absolutely been stuck. We had one point and we tried, you know, we tried to we had walked this path several times. So we'd kind of had an idea of where, you know, it was a little bit drier and, and a little bit muddier. But we had one point, even knowing all of that, where I could feel the tires trying to make a decision as to whether or not they were going to grip or they were going to slip and go. Yeah. Uh, but we all made it out, aired back up the tires, took care of a few things, stopped at a McDonald's for dinner, <laughs> like but you do. We made a long, long drive day out of it. Made a long drive, did not arrive. A late drive day, I should say didn't arrive at this campground until 10 o'clock at yeah. night and this campground was fantastic and they were so kind and understanding uh and new so there you have it yeah it ended up being a um, a worthwhile experience in in the end yeah <laughs> and i'm fresh taking it because it was the best possible experience that it could yeah. have been and everyone involved worked so well together and was really positive and was making decisions uh based on the best for everybody involved so there you go all right, that's it for this week's episode of the RV Miles Podcast. Yes, it is. And as a reminder, if you are headed over to Amazon, please take RV Miles with you. You can just go to amazon.com slash shop slash RV Miles. And if you are appreciating RV Miles and everything that we are trying to do here for you, the RV enthusiast, and you would like to offer a little bit more support to this channel, please consider becoming a Mile Marker member. It's $4.99 a month. You can sign up on Instagram, YouTube or Facebook. And as a way to say thank you, you get to join us once a month for monthly night live, which we have brought back just for mile marker members. But your support is going to make incredible changes here at RV Miles. It's already starting to show incredible changes. And that is with the news videos becoming more frequent, becoming more detailed, and really being able to break down some of this information for you so that we can all stay informed out there. So we will link to that in the description of this podcast, or if you are watching on YouTube, there will also be a link there. Thank you to the over 120 people who are already supporting this channel. We hope that you will become one of them as well. And until next week, which actually, folks, I will not be here. I will be in Chicago. You are going to get Jason all on his own next week. Please stay safe, stay dry, and keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. Bye.